Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us here in Big Pine in Key West in Williston, Ocala. If you're watching on the Internet, we're happy to have the next few minutes as we continue our study on the kingdom of God. I went to our fourth week now. This has been, and I know it has been, pretty scripture intense in, in, uh, in order to try and lay down sort of an understanding of, of uh, the... Uh, the ministry of, of Jesus, what he came to teach us and what he came to do and, and what the kingdom of God is really all about. And that uh, for most of us, um, unless we really take a look at this subject, we'll read about the kingdom in the Bible, but it won't really impact us as to what's going on. We just sort of read it and don't think about it. We think about it strictly as maybe, you know, heaven or something like that. Uh, and, and it doesn't make as much sense until we begin to really sort of look into it and tear it apart. And um, Last week I began to uh, really deal with uh, not only the kingdom of God, but also the two ages, this age and the age to come. And we, we talked last week about how this age is evil, primarily evil, and the age to come is perfect. And, and I said that um, as we looked at a lot of scripture together to make this point, and I'm not going to review them all, I gave them to you all last week, that, that there's an overlap, there's two overlaps that we dug through. The first one was the millennium, and we talked about how that fit in. And the, and the other one then is the one that we're in now. It's how Jesus has come already one time, and, and uh, he's inaugurated the kingdom. He has brought uh, a taste of the power of the age to come, and it exists now. And we looked at those scriptures that talked about how we're, we're in that now, and, and what that means for us, that we're, we're not just supposed to be sitting around trying to be good people, that there's stuff for us to do. Jesus has given us things to do as it relates to the kingdom and, and with all that's happening. And so I want to continue uh, with that discussion today and uh, and talk about uh, more of what's happening and what that means for us. Now, the mission of Jesus then on his first uh, time here was to invade this present evil age with his kingdom rule, which is the power of the age to come. And, and Jesus didn't seem to begin this mission uh, with the focus of starting a new movement uh, inside or outside of Israel. He came as a Jewish man to Jewish people. He accepted as binding the authority of the Old Testament scriptures. He conformed to the practices of the temple. He worshipped in the synagogue. He lived and worked as a Jew. Uh, and, and while he would sometimes travel outside the Jewish territory, he insisted that his mission was to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so we, we want to talk that about uh, and see how this whole thing sort of has transpired to, uh, for us to end up as the church and what that looks like. And, and to make sure we don't confuse the church and the kingdom of God, because they're two totally different things, right? Some theologians have tried to say that, that that's the kingdom of God. He's talking about the church, and that's not the case at all. So um, Jesus said over and over again that he came uh, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Matthew 15:24, probably the first verse in your bulletin. Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, he, he echoed this when he sent his disciples out to minister. He told them to go to Israel only. Matthew 10, 5 and 6. Those 12, uh, Jesus sent out with the following instruction. These 12, Jesus sent with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any, under, any of the towns of the Sumerians. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So the message in, is pretty clearly targeted to Israel. Um, there are three exceptions, at, at least three, in the Gospels that we know of. Um, I, I put them there for you so you can go and read them during the week. One is with the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, you probably know that encounter. Uh, one was with the centurion servant. Remember when the Roman officer comes? He was over 100. And 
came and asked Jesus to, to heal his, uh, I think it was his servant. Uh, and and uh, Jesus said, okay, I'll go with you. And the centurion said, you know, just tell him, just say be healed and he'll be healed because, you know, that, I understand it. And Jesus said, what great faith, and it happened. And the, the other one's the Canaanite woman, uh, Matthew 15. Now, this is a story of a woman who came uh, and pleaded with the Lord to heal her child who was demon-possessed. Remember, he, he, he outright told her no uh, at first. And she, she actually said, even the dogs get crumbs from the owner's table. And uh, that compelled Jesus to, to, uh, to heal the daughter. But uh, pretty intense passage. When you go and read it, you kind of are like, wow, that's really sort of intense. You know, that's not what you would think, you know, what would Jesus do? <laughs> that's not bracelet material. Uh, <laughs> he did what? That's not right. <laughs> Is that right? So... I don't know where that voice came from. It's the first time it just popped out. So anyway, um, and those three stories all seem to have pretty mitigating circumstances uh, with that called for exceptional steps to be taken by Jesus. But his central mission was to proclaim to Israel that God was acting to fulfill his promises and bring Israel to her true destiny as his children. That's what Jesus came to tell them. And remember, I said he started it in the very beginning of his ministry, proclaiming that's what was taking place. In Mark 1.15, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So he, he came and began to tell the people of Israel, it's here. And what happened? He, they, he drew instant denial. They said, we don't want any part of what you're doing. Mark 3, 1 and 6, again, very early in his ministry. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, though they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now listen, this is a demonstration. Remember I said that everything that Jesus did went along with what he said. He told them the kingdom of God was here, and then he demonstrated it. By healing the sick, casting out demons, doing, doing all those things. He demonstrates it in front of them. Rather than receive this good news that the kingdom was here, they rejected it. And again, I told you, some of that is that whole thinking. They, they were looking for something different. They were looking for a conquering king who would come back and set them up. as. And, and Jesus didn't come that way. And their teaching just kind of, that's, they were so uh, not ready for what he was saying. You know, the whole concept, he was turning everything upside down, the first will be last, and all that. They had come to these high places of esteem and honor, and they, they weren't willing to give it up. They would, and so they, they began to plot how, rather than receive it, they could actually kill Jesus. And that's how opposed they were to his bringing of this message. And it culminates in his sacrificial death on the cross. That's the point that they take it to. Now, um, Jesus allows that to happen, but, you know, and, and all those things tie together, but, but understand the rejection that's taking place by the people that Jesus has come to. And so uh, Jesus proclaimed the kingdom to Israel uh, as an offering of her fulfillment to her true destiny, and they reject it. The mission, however, is still accomplished by those followers who received the message and became his disciples. 
and those disciples would become known as the church. And, and they were sort of an enacted parable. Guess how many there was? Twelve. Why? That's how many nations there were in Israel. It's just an enacted parable of a new congregation that needed to be raised up to, to walk in this time of the kingdom rule of God. What does that mean for the people of Israel? It just means that they didn't receive him there. They're not out of the picture yet somehow because God's chosen them. I'm not sure how it works. But in this time, they, have, they rejected the message. They said no to it. And we'll look at a scripture in a minute that Jesus has to deal with that whole process. And so, again, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about his rule. It's a, it's a dynamic thing. So the, the church and the kingdom are not the same. The church is, is, the church is made up by those who are ruled by the king of the kingdom. All right? And we, we talked about that from the beginning. When, when we came and asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, that's what we were saying. We wanted him to be in charge of our lives. We wanted to be ruled by the king of the kingdom. And so that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And that's how the church fits into it. So uh, the rule of God is presented in the words and works of Jesus. And uh, uh, as he presented it, as, as Jesus presented it, uh, it, it confronted men and women, and they had to respond to either come under his rule or to reject it. And when they responded to it, they began a new relationship with him as king. Uh, Mark 3:31 and 35 says, Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and who are my brothers, he asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And so he was making this point now about this new sort of relationship. You know, remember, Jesus loved his family. You know that at the cross, in, in that he made sure that his mom was taken care of. Uh, that's not what he's saying there. Well, I don't, he's just saying, look, there's this new relationship now, and it's another picture. The people that he came to present it to rejected it. And so the people that receive it, the remnant, pick it up and become the church. And, and uh, um, this rejection of God's offer of the kingdom by Israel, um, Jesus talks about in uh, Matthew 21:43, when he says, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, and given to a people who will produce its fruit. <laughs> so, uh, it has to be given to a people who will produce its fruit. And that's the church. What, what is the mission of the church? It's to produce the fruit of the kingdom of God. And so, so uh, since the church is the recipient of life and, and fellowship of the kingdom, then, then one of the main purposes, like I said, is to demonstrate... In, in, in the life and, and power uh, of the age to come in this present evil age. Uh, the church lives in two ages at the same time. And we're the people of the age to come living in this present evil age. And so at some level we're to provide a model uh, to display the life of the, the future perfected order. Now certainly we're, we haven't arrived yet because we're in that tension. But, but it, it's to begin to have an impact on us and to change the way that we live. And, and so the church is ultimately then the conduit through which God's kingdom's acts are performed. And, and we talked about that again with the disciples. Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Luke 10:17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, 
even the demons submit to us in your name. So they went out and began to do the things that they saw Jesus doing. All right? Okay. What this does is make the idea of discipleship very important. I I think what's happened is, overall, the church uh, falls short of making oftentimes true disciples of Jesus because what we tend to promote our character and community to the neglect of performing such kingdom ministry as praying for the sick and casting out those that are demonized, praying for those that are demonized. And uh, the proclamation of the kingdom must be words and words combined. What that means is uh, we sort of concentrated on trying to make good people. Um, that's what the church has been trying to do, uh, almost exclusively. Um, we think that's it, and that's not the whole package. Because um, that's really not what it's all about. Remember what I told you when we started? If, if we just think we're kind of hanging out until Jesus comes back, and then our main goal is to be good people, we're not going to make it. Because it's not enough in and of itself. You won't. You just can't. But that's not what it's all about. Um, God has given us the, the work of His kingdom uh, to do. He's given us things to do. We're to, we're to go out and pray for those who, who desperately need prayer. We're, we're to uh, be the conduit of the, of the power of the age to come into this present evil age. And it comes through the church. That's us. The church isn't these buildings. The church is you guys sitting here. We are the church. And He's given us stuff to do. And we sort of have to grasp it in this context. Or we'll just sort of get content with trying to be people of character and community. Good, but not enough. Because what happens is, when that becomes the goal, guess what everybody starts trying to do? Well, they start trying to, to because they can't really be good, they try and look good and act good. And then when, and that's in one place, and then they live a completely different life somewhere else. They, they have to act at it. They become, that's what the word hypocrite means. And they become actors. And if that's all we've got, that's what we become pretty quickly. Because that's all it's all about. Well, I'm just going to go to church and be a good good person there and hang out with everybody. And, uh, you know, make sure everybody thinks I'm doing the right thing. But, but there's nothing else. That's all there is. And that becomes a, an act pretty quick. And that's not all that Jesus sees. Listen, this is the whole thing. Look what I did. That's what I want you guys to do. I want you to be constantly, you know, looking for opportunities to proclaim that the kingdom is here. Tell people about Jesus. To, to be able to pray for people. I want you to know that, that he, he wants you to know that He's given you the authority and the power to pray for people. And it, it doesn't need to be inside these four walls. It's really out where you meet people. It's very powerful to pray for people. And many people receive prayer. And when you're willing to take that step, it's amazing how often God meets you there in, in the, the process of it. And, it. and it's stuff for us to do. We, we're to live... Uh, we, we end up real quickly just living through our days... And it's all about us getting through the day. And we don't live with those eyes open saying, God, you know, what, what do you got for me today? What's, what's my point today? What's my purpose today? Is there somebody I need to talk to? Is there, is there somebody that just needs a hello or a word? Is there somebody that needs prayers? Is there somebody, God, that, that really would, their life might be changed by taking five minutes to just see how they're doing? Is there, is there somebody whose life could be blessed by me just going out of my way a little bit today? And see, if you don't sort of hold in context that that's what it's all about, you won't do it. It'll just be, well, I'm doing my thing. I'm being a good person. And, and you know, and, and there's so much more to it than that. But if we don't get this dynamic, um, that's how easily we can just sort of slip into that and live to it. And Jesus left uh, the keys to the kingdom in the hands of Peter. Uh, Matthew 16:19. it says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed 
in heaven. Now, this whole concept comes out of Isaiah. It's an Old Testament concept in Isaiah 22. I just think it's kind of fascinating. Uh, where where uh, it says, I will place on the shoulders uh, the key to the house of David. Uh, and he gives them to Eli- Eliakim, is the guy's name. Uh, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And so um, it's a picture of, of God giving Eliakim the keys to the house of David and commissioning him with its care. And, and the act of caretaking is often understood as conserving or protecting. See, um, he, he's given the church now the, the care of the kingdom. But, but uh, we, under, we don't need to make sure we understand caretaking isn't just conserving or protecting um, because then we make the, the same mistake of that third, third servant in the parable. Remember the parable in Matthew 25 when they're given talents? They're given money, one, ten, one, five, one, one, or five, two, and one, whatever, whatever your version is. And the first two invest it and double it, and the last one takes the one and hides it because he was afraid of the taskmaster of doing anything wrong. And, and uh, Jesus said, that's not what I want you to do at all. See, it's about taking some risk. It's about investing. And that's how he wants us to live and to tear, caretake the kingdom. And, and uh, the church is built on the Messiahship of Christ, and nothing will prevail against it. And, and when he said that verse uh, back in Matthew 16, 19, it says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Loosing denotes freeing those under the control of the evil one, and binding means prohibiting the evil one from harming the church. And, and so binding and loosing do not automatically mean that God will do what the church speaks. Here's what it means in context of everything we've been saying. Binding and loosing means that the church does in this age, in this age, what the Father has already ratified and determined in the age to come. And so again, we're, we're talking about borrowing from, I don't know what other word, the power of the age to come, bringing it in today. It's possible because Jesus has already done it. He's inaugurated it. Hebrews, like I said, 6, 5 says, we've tasted of the powers of the age to come. It's real. It's not in its fulfillment. It's not as it will be when he comes back. But we're living in this tension now where it's in part available to us. And that's how we're to live in, in that part, in that tension, that, that it's available to us. We still live in, in an evil age. There's still a lot of stuff that happens here that's bad. There's still a lot of things that happen just because we're human beings. Uh, and and uh, we don't get to, to go through Scott free just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we we get to escape the consequences of living in a fallen world other than we get to live forever with God Um, but here we go through stuff but we can ask in faith for everything that's going to happen to happen now and that's the tension that we live in and so the church has to be attentive to what God is doing and binding what he is bound and loosing what he is loose see that's what it's all about that's what we need to be looking for okay God the kingdom is here it's all about you you're the Lord of my life. This is a new day, God. And today, Lord, I just want to be looking for and looking at what it is that you're doing. And I want to go and be involved in what you're doing. And if you're binding something somewhere, if you're prohibiting the work of the evil one, I want to be involved in that. And if you're loosing someone from, from, that, uh, from that grass, from the kingdom of darkness, I want to be involved in that. However you can use me in those things, that's what it's all about, Lord, because that's what you've called me to do. It's not just about trying to be a good person. It's all this other stuff that goes with it. And we have to hold all that in context so that all that stuff gets done. That's how we become complete. And so uh, that's the, the next little phase of this. Now next week, what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, how the armor of God pertains to what I'm talking about. Because he's given us, fortunately, uh, 
weaponry and, and uh, stuff that we need to walk this thing out and, and uh, to make sure that we understand how that works as we get engaged in this because he's given us everything that we need to do what we have to do. But we want to make sure that we're, we're certainly aware of it and applying it into our lives as we move through the process. So that's what we'll pick up next week. And uh, I just want to encourage you when you get a chance, read through these scriptures. Go over them again and again. Go over last week because I did a lot of stuff last week. And, and to make sure you see how it all fits together and what we're called to do. To get the idea that we're called to more than just kind of hanging out. And, and, uh, which is part of it. It's just not all of it. That we get all of it. Because that's what God wants for us. And uh, we'll keep moving into that. Alright? Okay. Amen. Why don't you pass up your prayer request to me. And I will pray for you here. Uh, Barry will pray for you in Key West. God will pray for you in Williston. Johnny and Allison will pray for you in Ocala. And... Uh, It'll be good.